Why does the food in ads look so much better than its real-life form? I got curious, and here's what I found out. Beware, you may never watch TV commercials the same way again. One of the most controversial ads reality comparisons has been made upon the burgers of McD's. Don't get me wrong, pretty much everyone enjoys golden fries and fast-served products. But, yeah, they don't look the way they are in the commercials. I know no one can get that Krabby Patty deliciousness of Spongebob in real life, but burgers on commercials surely look perfect. So, what do they do? Well, there are people whose job it is to design, prepare, and style the foods for ads. They are known as food stylists. Do you know those sesame seeds that look like they were randomly sprinkled? They're actually at their exact right place, because food stylists glued the seeds to the burger bun. The bun itself is also critical. The stylist would pick the best bun out of dozens of burger bread. It's not just that. Are you familiar with ads that all burger ingredients fall on top of each other in slow-mo? To achieve this free fall, photographers literally deconstructed burgers and then they put each ingredient into a rig. All those ingredients fall when they cut the ropes, bread, burger, pickle, and tomato. Then, the photographer does their magic by masking the rope and other unnecessary parts of the rigging system. The idea behind it is to make sure the audience can see all the products. In the final result, food stylists use syringes filled with ketchup and mustard to complete the look. Then, they melt the edges of the cheese to make you feel like the burger is hot and ready to eat. What about the drinks? Food stylists use transparent plastic cubes instead of real ice cubes in beverage ads. Obviously, the main idea is to keep the drink the same way under hot studio lights. Plastic ice cubes don't melt, but they also look great on camera. This one is my favorite because I wouldn't think of it for millions of years. Food stylists microwave water-soaked cotton balls. Then, they stack them behind the dish or cup. The steam can be added after the shoot via a photo editing tool, but sometimes they need steam in real time against the dark background. Uh, who wouldn't want their cup of coffee with a smoking hot cotton ball? What if I tell you that food photographers use mashed potatoes instead of ice cream? Same as ice cubes, ice cream cannot last for hours of photo shoots. They add coloring to mashed potatoes to get the flavor. They get the perfectly scooped ice cream. By the way, did you know that scientists in Japan invented an ice cream that doesn't melt? These scientists discovered a compound in strawberries. Ice cream melts later than it was supposed to because that special ingredient makes it difficult for water and oil to separate. Moving on to another type of cream. It may come as a surprise, but photographers use shaving cream as whipped cream. Real whipped cream puffs off like a balloon after some time. Plus, it doesn't look as good as shaving cream because it loses its form. Instead of having a soggy mess, they get shiny, fluffy cream. Melted chocolate looks so fluid in the ads. Here, food stylists often use a chemical mix. The fake chocolate is a gel. Fun fact, that's the same thing people use to make slime. They add brown food coloring to the gel and put in some cocoa powder. Now let's move on to pancakes. Oh, don't worry, they're really cooked. But here, 
the syrup is replaced with engine oil. Since pancakes are like sponges, they'll soak up the syrup. This was a problem for food photographers. Motor oil has a similar color and it's way more consistent. Plus, maple or agave syrup is expensive. There's a bonus. Photographers sometimes put a thin layer of cardboard between the pancakes to support the stack. The pancake tower looks taller and fluffier. I'll get to the cardboard stuff in detail when I mention cakes later. Stay tuned. Shiny and appealing fruits are seen this way because in the editing process, photographers increase saturation. There's another secret though. They use hairspray to artificially add a bit of shine to the fruits. Speaking of fruits, there's one extra trick for strawberries. They use lipstick on strawberries to make them look redder. The right shade of red lipstick is almost a must. Picture a cereal ad. Do you recall how milk flows into the bowl? Well, that might not be milk. Photographers sometimes use glue instead of milk. It doesn't make the cereal soggy. The glue keeps the cereal flakes at the surface while keeping their original form. I already mentioned how they photographed the burger, but what about its patty? Turns out that food stylists sometimes use shoe polish to make it appear darker. It can look dry and tout. To prevent this, they color the meat with shoe polish. As a final touch, they grease it up with sunflower oil. Imagine you're a food photographer and your clients want you to make an ad for their new taco place. How are you going to make the tacos stay open to show their delicious ingredients? You can place little sponge pieces on the bottom and cover them with fillings on top. There you go! You have a taco that'll stay consistent and appealing. When I shared the cardboard trick on pancakes, I said I'll come to that later. Here's the time. Cardboard is used inside the cakes to make them sit correctly for hours-long shooting. Now, multi-layered cakes look tall and mouth-watering with a little help. A small piece of cardboard is put between the cake layers. Then, they're covered with frosting. These clever tricks are used to make food look delicious in photos and ads. On the bottom line, the client wants you to buy their product. Visual tricks themselves aren't enough, though. The typography, illustration, perception, human psychology, and physiology are all part of the package. For instance, the colors are carefully selected. Colors that evoke different feelings in potential customers. They influence human psychology. Like yellow is a color of happiness and optimism. So it's a good choice for an ad. Body language is a very important way of communication. You subconsciously read the people you see in the ads. There are some tricks for posing. Postures and gestures are their non-verbal signals. The direct gaze induction technique can be an example. When the model directly looks at the lens, they look at you and, uh, right into your soul. This strategy gains its power from psychology and social communications. Trustworthiness is related to human psychology, and I must admit, this one is pretty innocent. Every person you see in an ad is picked on various criteria. As humans, we unconsciously try to decide how we feel about something or someone. We get that feeling from small cues. Some people just appear more trustworthy compared to others. The gap between the two extremes of the cheekbones and the distance from the upper lip to the eyebrows, for instance, are clues. People with higher faces are perceived as more trustworthy. 
The next technique is the rule of thirds. Composition is crucial for the perception of the eye. The rule of thirds is a basic one that's been used since the late 1700s. This rule suggests hypothetically dividing the image into three equal parts, both horizontally and vertically. This gives the viewer to receive some sort of a grid. In composition, you can put the important thing at the intersection of the lines of this grid. Some people apply this rule to human faces too. The most attractive faces should have a forehead height that's one-third of the total height of the face and almost equal in height to the mid and lower face. This view became old-fashioned though. Many people believe attractiveness is not related to how a face fits into these proportions. Do you know any other tricks I didn't mention? That's it for today. So hey, if you pacified your curiosity, then give the video a like and share it with your friends. Or if you want more, just click on these videos and stay on the bright side. Have you ever been lost in a new city without navigation? Or run out of battery at your favorite band's concert when they were about to play your song? These are just two of the many moments you need your phone not to fail you. But your battery begs to differ. Hmm. What can you do to win this argument? Well, the first thing you'll probably do is shut down all the apps that you have running in the background. It seems like the logical way to go, but it actually only makes things worse. When you force quit an app, your phone spends its precious juice on closing the app and clearing it from RAM. And when you decide to open the app again, it'll spend more resources on bringing it back to life. When you leave one app and start using a different one, the first one is stored in RAM. It sits there quietly in the ready-to-relaunch-in-exactly-the-same-condition state and will jump back into action without wasting any extra battery time or data. Yeah. Your phone has its own memory management mechanisms. It'll close the apps that you haven't used for a long time or the ones that are using more battery than they should, those greedy little pigs. You can help the system work smoothly and fast by not trying to do the job for the phone and letting it decide which apps to keep running in the background. Do you have a bright image from your last vacation as wallpaper on your phone? It's not so obvious, but this phone could actually be the reason why you're losing battery faster than ever. Many new phones have an OLED display. When you set a dark wallpaper, it doesn't have to waste power on lighting up black pixels. So, the larger the darker areas on the screen, the less battery it eats. You can also turn on dark mode. Ooh. It can boost up the battery on your phone or tablet quite a bit. You can choose to activate it at sunset or sunrise automatically every day. By the way, if you turn on dark a la mode, you wind up with chocolate ice cream on your phone. Better skip that one. One solution that always helps, both on phones and laptops, is adjusting the screen brightness. You can deactivate the automatic brightness mode to save some juice. It's brought to you by a light sensor that spends even more power on collecting and analyzing data about the surroundings to pick the right light level. You can manually dim your screen brightness to a comfortable level and not waste energy on something you don't really need. You can also shorten the auto-lock time to a minimum. The sooner your screen goes off when you're not using the phone, the less energy it's eating. The default timeout is 30 seconds for most phones, but you can bring it down to 15. Twice as fast. Could be a great energy saver for you. Do you like to charge your phone from 0 to 100%? 
Or maybe even let it eat some extra juice after it hits the 100% mark? Well, you aren't doing the battery any good like this. Experts say that the best range is between 25 to 85% if you want your battery to last longer and live a healthier life. If you let the lithium-ion battery go down to zero all the time and then juice it back up, this can wear it out faster than normal. Another possible solution for your hungry battery is a portable charger. They come in all possible shapes, colors, and sizes. You just need to decide how much power you want from it. There are models that can help your phone last until the end of the day and some stronger ones that will keep you covered for an entire weekend. You do need to charge your portable battery before it can feed your phone, but don't overdo it. Only charge when you're about to use it, because the more power you run through it, the shorter it will serve you. Smaller, more affordable models usually last 200 to 300 cycles. If you don't use it that much, at least charge it once every three months to keep the battery active. And yes, it's perfectly safe to use your phone while it's charging from your new external battery. Have you already tried buying a charging phone case for your favorite gadget? It's a perfect option for you if you spend a lot of time away from the outlet. But then again, don't we all? Also, it doesn't take up any extra space in your bag, unlike an external battery. It does make the phone itself bulkier, though. If you want a more powerful case, you gotta be prepared that it's going to be bigger and heavier than the other models. And of course, when choosing the ideal case, don't fall for a lower price. A bad quality knockoff can seriously damage your phone or its battery. I've heard that those fancy wireless chargers can do your battery some harm, too. But looks like it's not so simple. Charging a battery in any way, wireless or not, does age it a bit. Heat can make that aging process go faster and reduce battery life. When you drop your phone on a wireless charger, there's a high chance it won't be perfectly in the right spot. Even if you do align all the coils in the charger and the smartphone, only about 80% of the energy will end up in your phone's battery, and that's the best-case scenario. The rest will turn into heat, and it's definitely not on your battery's best friends list. On the bright side, though, the best wireless chargers come with a cooling fan to curb the heat. And they're supposed to get better and better in the future, so you don't have to worry about your phone's safety. I'm sure you know that turning on airplane mode on your phone is the easiest way to save some precious battery. But have you ever tried doing the same with your laptop? It's like turning off the light in the room you're currently not using. If you have to finish an important text or presentation and have all the data you need in the document, you don't really, really need to have YouTube, Facebook, and your favorite chat room on at the same time, do you? The updates will only distract you, and the battery will run like water. On Windows, you can simply enable airplane mode in the Home tab. Macs don't have that function, but you can just turn off Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, and location services. It's kind of the same. Now, if switching on airplane mode is so great, turning the phone off completely should be even better, right? Mm, Not really. It won't do the trick especially if you're planning to use it again in an hour or so. The whole switching on-off thing takes too much battery power. At some point, your phone screen just won't light up anymore because while you were trying to save energy, you've drained the battery completely. Now, is your operating system up to date? 
It's not just a marketing plot that manufacturers have invented. They actually do constantly improve the OS. The latest version will always have patches and fixes for all sorts of issues, including battery health. And newer operating systems work better with newer technologies. Most updates should download automatically. But if you see anything new when you check them manually, just grab it. Your phone will love it. When you install a new app, you often just agree to everything because you can't wait to try it out. Guilty as charged. So double-check if you have accepted to receive push notifications or alerts from different apps. Only leave the ones you really need, like your work email. You can just disable the unnecessary ones in your settings. The battery section in your phone settings can give you some extra hints on how to save power. Check out which of the apps are the biggest energy eaters. Once you identify those bad boys, look through the settings for each of them. You can try disabling their background updates. Some apps, especially news and social media ones, refresh data without you even knowing or asking them to. But now you know. That's it for today. So hey, if you pacified your curiosity, then give the video a like and share it with your friends. Or if you want more, just click on these videos and stay on the bright side.